This podcast is made possible by NoCD. NoCD offers effective, affordable, and convenient OCD therapy. NoCD therapists are trained in exposure and response prevention, otherwise known as ERP therapy, which is the gold standard treatment for OCD. With NoCD, you can do virtual, live, face-to-face video sessions with one of their licensed, specialty-trained therapists, and they accept most major insurance plans. To find out more about NoCD, visit NoCD.com to book a free 15-minute call. We're hot. We're fun. We're crying. But we're trying. We've got looks. We've got books. Also, we're sad. Sad Sad girls girls who read. read. Hey, y'all. So this week on Sad Girls Who Read, we're covering Pineapple Street, debut fiction novel by Jenny Jackson. It is set in the Brooklyn Heights neighborhood that I live in, which I love. So I'm going to read verbatim from the description on the inside cover of the book because it does the book the most justice. Here we have it. Darley, the eldest daughter in the well-connected old money Stockton family, followed her heart trading her job and in her inheritance for motherhood, but giving up far too much in the process. Sasha, a middle-class New England girl, has married into the Brooklyn Heights family and finds herself cast as the Arivist outsider. I can't say that. And Georgiana, Georgina, I can't even pronounce that either. I'm going to go with Georgiana. The baby of the family has fallen in love with someone she can't have and must decide what kind of person she wants to be. Shot through with the indulgent pleasures of life amongst New York's one percenters, Pineapple Street is an addictive escapist novel that sparkles with wit. I do not agree. Full of recognizable, lovable, if fallible characters, it's about the peculiar unknowability of someone else's family, the miles between the haves and the have-nots, and the insanity of first love. Was that first love? All wrapped in a deliciously funny, sharply observed debut of family, love, and class. Well, well, we have a lot <laughs> yeah, of Yeah, I don't know that the description quite um, yeah. it matches up to the book that we have just read. So, Allegra, <sighs> before we get into this book, how was your week? <laughs> Are you a sad girl? You Y'all. look really pretty today. Oh my gosh, thank you. This morning, I was more than a sad girl. I was a panicked girl. Panicked girl. I turn on this zoom training that i'm in oh my god so it's like it's an ocd training it's a four-hour zoom training i turned my video off because i had just rolled out of bed ain't no one needs to see me and so i thought i had pressed mute on my zoom i'm like great i'm gonna roam around the house as i'm listening to this i'm gonna get my morning started i start peeing sorry for the crassness <laughs> so i'm peeing and i'm mid pee stream and it's like the first pee in the morning obviously you have to go a lot and all of a sudden i'm like wait i don't think i turned the volume off my zoom and so I'm like, do I hold in the pee? Do I, I like turned on the sink water? I'm like, well, I have to finish at this point. Like it's it's first thing in the morning. I can't just stop the pee mid mid pee. Did anyone hear it? I don't know. I, I flush. First of all, the flush is also on the Zoom. All of this is happening. While I would have been sound screaming. I panicked. It's like I'm gonna jump off of my roof immediately. <laughs> And I walk over to my computer, and in fact, the volume was on the entire time. <gasps> Yeah, like my piss stream and my flush. And there were 25 clinicians in this Zoom meeting. The head of the IOCDF, like the biggest oh OCD foundation. In Shout the world. out. Now they know a lot you about you. You just got free pee porn, baby. Pee porn. For anyone who's into pee porn. piss play, I just oh. gave it away for free. <gasps> I literally t- I texted you and, and was like, I'm dying. Like, I, I can't she recover like, oh my God, from oh this. My God. 
But I did recover. I got back on the Zoom. I got back on the horse. She got back on the horse. And y'all. I'm going to ask people if they heard it. I'm going to text you the should. moderator and be like, did you hear my piss this Were morning? Were you so lucky to hear Were my pee Were you so lucky? You blessed some ears. I did. So that was my like side panic moment. Okay, but... Is that like causing you actual despair or it was just like Oh, a- earlier it did. Like when I say I froze, my body oh, went really? into the fight, flight, or freeze. How did you get out of that place? I had to just use my tools that I normally use. And I said, you know what? If it happened. Yeah. We've all so done. What? We've all seen the naked guy take his shirt yeah. off on the Zoom on accident. Yeah. You know, like we've all done it. There's just, way worse. Oh, that. there is way worse. <laughs> you could be like sexting on the Zoom and, and send it to everyone. You could be like, I fucking hate my boss. I have a really embarrassing Wait, Zoom I need story. To hear. On the Zoom, like it's really confusing, at least for me, to your messaging, private messaging, and then you can accidentally put it, message everyone. I messaged everyone. This was a, in my ROCD group. There was like, 30 people in there and I'm like good friends with one girl and we were like saying stuff and I was telling her something absolutely mortifying and I sent it to the entire (laughs) group and everyone's like Aaron and I'm like haha that wasn't meant for you I'm so sorry and then like everyone we're all our cameras on and everyone was like looking at me like something was terribly wrong with me wait that's so iconic but even I feel like especially having OCD like when I run my workshops and I want to like send something to someone privately I get so scared I'm like but what if the zoom like breaks and what was meant to be private is I think that too is that OCD I mean it is in the sense of like I'm doubting like it's literally says technology the message was sent privately right and then I'm doubting that oh I do that what if what if what if what if what if someone's watching yeah what if someone knows so you got through your moment. I did. It's okay to feel anxious. It's okay to feel embarrassed and uncomfortable. And I was like, you know what? Mm-hmm. If you heard me piss, you're probably blessed. So I'm just going to get on with my day. Blessed. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed. And I moved through it. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. It was it was an iconic moment. She's like, things are going to happen and it's how you keep going that is... Were your powers. Right. I was like, I can't let this get me down. No. And even if everyone heard me pee, like, we're all human fucking beings. It's a funny pee. story. It's, like, literally, like, it, it probably made people's days. They they had a giggle. Like right. They're like, I hear someone pee. If I heard, like, someone I really admired pee, it would make my whole day. Something, right. Is that an inside wrong. look at my life? Yeah. It's really, like, they didn't see you pee. Right. No, that would have yeah. been. If you saw my... Uh, what's her name um, from Perfect Match? Chloe calls it her minge. Oh my god! I Why just is it a saw minge? that video. I don't know. She if you makes saw my minge, laugh. I would be like, "So everyone, pay me because you don't get to see that for free." Do you think she would come on? I love her. Let's so get it. Let's She's get her on. Funny. She was like, "Oh my god, I'm getting my surgery on my minge, and I didn't shave yeah. my minge. My minge, and the doctor's looking at my minge." And I'm like, "What? What? Baby, I guess what it's is a British a thing." Yeah, it must be. All of my British clients have different sayings than we do in the U.S. It's all different. It's all different. They'll say shit that I'm like, sorry, repeat. Yeah, excuse <laughs> what me. What is that supposed like, to mean? They're like, oi. They'll be like, oi. And then I was such a wanker. And you're like, like oh. What? They say that on Ted Lasso. Yeah, I'm like, what is that? I'm like okay. a dick. Okay, so why were you sad? Were you sad, first of all? Maybe you had a hashtag not mentally a week, or maybe you were. Two days ago, I got to go see A Doll's House on Broadway. Oh my God, it was so you got to take me to Broadway, baby. Broadway, baby. Take me on a date. I've literally asked you to go raw with me, and you're like, I have plans. I'm like, Allegra, 
I gotta, I'm coming next time. I gotta culture you. Yeah, you do. Next time I get tickets, I'm gonna take you. But I saw Jessica Chastain. She was fucking amazing. But on my way there, my sacrum debacle, it still hurt so bad. And it was like in so much pain. And like I was late to the theater. And I hate being late. I don't know what that's about. But like I'm either early or on time. I'm never late. And I literally had to like run in as the show was starting. I was out of breath. I had to pee. And then like the whole show, I was just like so uncomfortable. And like... I was so excited to see that show and it just kind of ruined my experience of it. And I don't know if this is OCD or anxiety or what, but like I could not focus on the show because I had to pee so bad. What is that? Like all I could think about. Oh, so that could be OCD. It could be like if you actually have to pee, it can be really hard to focus on anything else but trying not to like have your bladder unload. But if you are hyper aware of like a bodily sensation or a bodily That's process. That's what I think it was. That could be like a kind of sensory motor OCD. Because I've I can't held my pee. I can't stop thinking about my peeing or yeah. my breathing or my... I've held my pee way longer before. Like way longer. But for some reason, like I didn't pee before. I always pee before shows since I didn't pee before this show. So now I was just like focusing on my bladder and I was like... So my clients get it with poop too where they're constantly checking oh if God. they have to poop all day long. No, I'm going to get that. Cool. <laughs> on the way home. Cool. Tells right you right now. Have to stop. Sorry, I think I have to poop. Oopsies. But how I, I coped is the beginning, like the first 15 minutes, it was like really, really bad. My heart was like racing and I was like, shit, I'm not going to be like... Oh, and there was no intermission and it was a two-hour show so I was like really freaking out but then I like breathed and I like was like okay Aaron like the worst thing that could happen is you will have to get up and go pee and you're not gonna die like for some reason I am like I'm gonna interrupt the entire show and ruin the entire show if I pee I wasn't going to do that but catastrophizing um, yeah totally so I got through that but it made me really sad we both kind of powered through like the hard moments yeah which is kind of awesome yeah and honestly like I'm not trying to downplay my moment, but like I've had a lot worse things happen. This wasn't like the saddest week ever. It was just like, it was And that's fun. kind of awesome. Like the fact that you had to think about being sad is mm-hmm. kind of fucking awesome. Isn't and the fact it? that my sad moment, like, yes, it was sad, but it was more panicky. And it just like, happened. We've had a good week. Yeah, we have. Which is kind of iconic. Good for us. Liz we... and Lori are doing their jobs. Oh my God. Hey, Lizzie. <laughs> Hey girls. Hey girls. We have to talk. Like, we have Aaron, to do shout out up. to each episode. Yes, hi. shout out to Liz hi. and Lori. Hi, hi. Our saviors of Christ. Our L girls. This like. book, though. Okay, this book. Let's get into it. Allegra, number one, I'm going to ask you. Okay. Like, first impressions, yes, but also Allegra's a writer. If y'all didn't know, she's a badass writer. And as a writer, Allegra, what were your impressions of the writing? Like, analyze okay. the writing for me. First and foremost, back it up. I chose this book. I feel like a wanker. Because I was the one that chose this. But it was on Good Morning America Book Club. It was all over. It was about like Brooklyn Heights. So I wanted to read it, picked it. Initially, I was like, wow, we're talking about all of the places in my neighborhood, like the kind of prologue right at Joe's Mm -hmm. Coffee. Like we're drinking it now. I get my coffee there every day. We're in Brooklyn Heights right now at Allegra's apartment. Yes. And Pineapple Street is the street over from us. I live on Orange Street. So it was so cool getting to read a book and feeling like, Wow, I'm in the, like I'm actually in this scene. Like I literally live here. But yeah. I have to be honest, it's one of the worst books I've ever read in my life. And I and I feel so awful saying it because the author works at a publishing house yeah. and I never want to offend anyone, but truly, like if we're going to look at it from critiquing the writing, first and foremost, like there was no plot. 
No. Nothing happened the entire book. And even when things happened, you didn't care about the characters, so you weren't invested. Well, that, I was going to say, there was no emotional stakes for me. Zero, zero. I wasn't connected to the characters whatsoever. They weren't fleshed out. So when big things happened, like, spoiler alert, Brady died... I couldn't have given a fuck less, truly. Yeah. I've never felt that way in a book. It said he died. There was the biggest disconnect for yeah. me. She didn't flesh out and she didn't create her characters in a way that like her readers could connect to them. I also didn't care about Brady. I, I didn't care about Brady, but I didn't care about Georgiana or Georgiana. No. So I didn't care about their relationship. He was cheating on his wife with her. So when he died, I was like, who, who cares? Right. And also, like, we didn't know. We didn't really get anything about Brady. We didn't even really get a whole lot about any of these characters, except that they live in a very wealthy neighborhood. They're part of the 1% family and they, it's a lot of their inner monologue about being rich, but I didn't feel privy to like who the characters were. Yeah. I did not feel connected to them. And their vulnerabilities weren't explored. And that. It really was like the worst thing that happened to them was like they had too much money and didn't know what to do with it. Right. And it's fine to see through a window of someone's life. Like I do think for people who don't live in Brooklyn Heights and don't understand how the 1% live, perhaps that's, mm-hmm. you know, exciting for them. But even then it's like you get the smallest glimpse in, but then the rest of the book is like you're just staring through that window. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily give a fuck. I want like I want the emotional stakes to be higher. Mm-hmm. I want to be moved by this. And it's just we're looking into the lives of rich people. Okay. And I want people to change and like, I want to see their flaws and I want them to like, at least someone to get better or like. Right. And it's not like we need a happy ending and for it to be tied up in a bow in every book, but literally like I kept waiting (laughs) for something to happen. And then when something did happen, I don't think that the author necessarily thought through like how we got from point A to point Mm -hmm, B. mm -hmm. It felt a little scattered. Extremely scattered like for instance all of a sudden brady goes on this trip and then he just dies and the whole staff is crying and i'm like wait it just it felt so off to me and it felt so not believable i didn't that's it right there i didn't believe the Mm. author the author didn't feel credible and if i don't believe the author i'm gonna have a really hard time reading this book and it's hard to go from what we read last week seven husbands of evelyn hugo which was the best and which felt like it could not have been written. It had to be real to go to this to felt that felt so fake and so like all over the place. We both like we love reading. Like we will read almost anything. And both of us texted each other like about like, twenty times. Like what the I fuck? I can't get like I can't. I, I'm forcing myself to read yeah. and I cannot get through this. And it's wild because again I'm I'm really trying not to be offensive. But like this this woman works at a publishing house. Mm. You know, like you had an editor and this is the book that you wrote. I don't know. It's just on the craft level. Don't get me wrong. There were a couple of things like I did feel very in this scene sometimes. And I think that's that's a good thing to have. Mm -hmm. Right. Like detail and description. I think satire and humor. Sometimes things were a bit funny. But like, I mean, that's really all I could give it. Yeah, my favorite part was just that I identified so much with Sasha, who was like the Mm -hmm. only one that wasn't in the one percent family and i identified with her like to the extreme and we'll talk about that later but it kind of sucks in a book where there's like 20 characters and you only give a shit about one of them (laughs) and honestly maybe this is like i gave a shit about sasha but it also felt like sasha's journey wasn't fully fleshed through definitely not definitely not and i have to be honest if i didn't live in brooklyn heights 
and Truman Capote or Capote or Sapote, whatever it is. Um, I'm joking, people. I know it's not Sapote. She knows. I'm going to get canceled for that. If it wasn't for him living on this like street next to me, I wouldn't even have liked this book. Like I only liked it because I was getting to see all of the spots that I frequent on a regular basis. I love that. Like if there was a book about Washington Heights, I you would run. It. But you know what I did love about this book? I'm about to sound like the meanest. The, the cover. cover was so gorgeous, <laughs> like so aesthetically pleasing. Like we took so many photos of the book yeah. in front of trees. And let me tell you, they're gorgeous. Gorgeous. But it's really sad when the cover is your favorite part. And you know what's interesting? Book. I will say I think whoever designed the cover did a great job because I really love it. It's gorgeous. But I think it represents the clutter of yes. the, the limestone apartment totally like it is very cluttered to the point where if this were my book cover i would probably say i want the words to stand out more but that's Mm -hmm. kind of the whole point Mm because of how cluttered tilda and chip tilda the whitest names that ever were whose name is chip chip Chip, tilda and Chip. imagine your would it be father-in-law's name is chip hi chip i wouldn't be able to tilda take them like i i truly would not have been able to take them seriously can you think of any people you would want less as mother and father (laughs) poor tilda (laughs) like (sighs) marrying into this family no absolutely not okay and i think the last thing that we'll say too before we get into this is The book had three different points of view. Yes. We had Sasha, we had Georgiana, and we had Darley. So Sasha married into the Stockton family. And Darley is the oldest sibling in this 1% Stockton family. And Georgiana is the youngest sibling in the 1% Stockton family. So it switched from like Sasha, Georgiana, Darley throughout the entirety of the book. Something you were asking me or you wanted to ask me, you said is, did I like that the book consisted of these three different points of view? I was thinking about that on the Uber over here and I was like, I kind of like in books where it does give different points of view, but what I didn't like about this is even when I heard the other points of view, usually it makes you care more about them. I didn't care about, like I literally, when Georgiana would talk from her point of view, it made me like her less. Right. Like the thing she complained about, I was like, oh. Right, and I think when we separate, like, I think when we have different points of view in a book, it's supposed to serve a function, it's supposed to serve a purpose, that we are supposed to get different looks into perhaps the same thing. I also felt that way. Yeah. And not only that, which this is going to sound awful, but I'm going to stop judging myself, like, some of it was so fucking boring (laughs) that I just wanted to skip to the next part. It said Brady died. And then we go back to Darlie. Darlie, baby, I don't care. Do you know what part? Frankly, I was like, I I just got to skip ahead because now I want to know why Brady died. Same. So then the pacing, oh my God, it was so fucking slow. Yeah, it was one of... Like the point of view did not serve this author. I would have rather it all been from Sasha's point of view. Same. TBH. Same. Because they would say things like... They would call her a gold digger. And I'm like, well, maybe there's like, maybe I'm missing something. And then we got to Darlie. I'm like, nope, they're just assholes. Like, they're just fake bitches. This book like struck a nerve with me. Can we start with Sasha? Yeah, so let's start with Sasha. Sasha marries Cord also. Cord. Cord. I just, I picture like, what am I trying to, like the, is it Banana Republic? Those like. Yes, J. Crew. Those J. Crew. Like. Like vineyard vines. Yeah, <laughs> we can't wear those, baby. We can't. That's like the, it, the, it gives me the ick. It's the exact opposite of what I'm attracted to. You cannot go out in a light blue collared 
like, boat shoes, a boat shoes and shirt, I will actually die. It's like the 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 finance bros who wear the vest. Yes. Oh my god! Don't tell me the vest, Allegra. I'm I ha, I I'm dying. My ex used to wear a vest every day. I would divorce. I, I did divorce. <laughs> we weren't married, but I divorced. Vest. What is the point of a vest? Tell me what the point of a vest is. Your arms are not warm. What is the fucking point of a vest? And then when they tie the sweaters around their no. neck. I will like, bomb. goodbye. Like, it, it actually is the most unattractive same, thing for me. Same. It's foul. It's foul. We love, like, a gritty, like, hipster Gritty. Oh, I love Ooh. a gritty man. Same Z's. Yeah. Tom okay, Pink. so she marries Cord. She marries into this family. So this family has millions of dollars. I'm talking one of their kids has 37 million. So picture how much they actually have as a family. Is that a billion? I don't know math. At least probably 500 million to a billion. Crazy oh money. Jeez. And Sasha gets served a prenup by a lawyer before they get married and reaches out to her fiance and says, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. Aaron, what were your thoughts about that? Like, would you want to be served a prenup in that way? And would you have signed it? There's a lot of issues with this. I understand the prenup in some ways, like they're protecting their family's wealth, but like it just makes me nauseous because the fact that he didn't talk to her about it and it came out of nowhere it's like have the conversation like acknowledge that this is awkward and weird if you're going to sign the prenup i go back and forth but it's also like it is kind of like you're signing up like to get divorced if you sign it i know it feels it does feel unromantic and we we come to find out that darlie gives up her inheritance and Mm. says i'm not gonna have my husband sign this prenup but like it feels unromantic, but then in a sense, I can see the reverse where it also feels romantic of, yeah, I'll sign this prenup. I'm not marrying you for your money. Totally. Like I'm marrying you because I fucking love you. Totally. However, the way that it was served, if I got served a prenup by my fiance while they were at work in their vest and boat shoes, like immediate divorce, first <laughs> of all, like to not know. And then what's even worse is that he goes on to say, I would never choose anyone over my family. And this woman marries him it just felt it was so cringy on so many levels the way that you're saying how cringy it was and then we're going through every single from like the style from i would never choose anyone over my family this is to a t my ex's family like wait you've got to tell us about it did you date a one percenter i mean he wasn't a one percenter but he was he was a five his family was rich like owned a place on the cape like all like lived in connecticut like rich and it wasn't even like how rich he was. It was how stupid they made everyone else feel that wasn't. There was a certain way to like hold silverware. And there was like a certain thing like you needed to wear. And they would comment on like my outfits. They're like, oh, you're an artist. Like, what is that? Like they had no idea. Okay, talk to us about the outfits. Did you like, what were these outfits that you had to wear? No, Did no, you no. have to wear boat shoes, babe? No, no, no. I would wear like what I wear and they'd be who's this like crunchy hippie dirty woman while they were all wearing like button up like collar vest (laughs) boat shoes on Christmas they wore matching Patagonias (laughs) no okay if you're gonna do like matching PJs on Christmas Uh -uh. matching Patagonias Patagonias. that tells me everything and then I I was the only one without one so I was just like sitting around the only in like my crunchy like hippie like whatever like oversized sweatshirt a little bit i just feel like in those like rich families it can be it can feel so incestuous and like i'm not gonna let anyone else in yes it was like a club right like i will never choose anyone over my family Uh like uh family for life but it really isn't i wouldn't choose anyone over my family it's like i will never let anyone into Into like this this money and this Mm -hmm. like prestige and this like level of 
It, they literally think they're royalty. Which is hilarious because it's literally the, like, I would never survive dating someone like that. Like, I would, I mean, you see me, how I present myself. Me too. I didn't do I that. I would, I like, I don't know how to hold silverware. I had a nose ring at the time. I, like, had, I think I had, I don't know if I had tattoos, but, like, I had, like, different colors in my hair. And they, they like, they would audibly gasp sometimes. They were like, oh, Aaron. Not the tilde. <gasps> Yeah. Oh, 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 sweetie. Oh, 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 no. It was really. It I could really never marry into a family like that. I'm glad you don't. I'm glad ass. I didn't. And I love Keith's family and they're so chill and like so on my level. Yeah. I know. So you probably related so much to Sasha. In this I book. was Sasha and I was the mm. artist coming into like this family of like rich assholes. Like that was, I was never accepted from day one. I was never accepted. Like the. And I always was like, maybe something's wrong with me. Like, maybe, like, I, I don't know how to talk to people. I know how to talk to everyone. But these people made me feel like everything I said was just, like, the stupidest thing that could ever be said. It's a form of gaslighting. And it yeah. does. Like, when you're gaslit hard enough, you do start to worry, is it me? Is there mm. something wrong with me? There was also, like, underlying rules that, like, no one talked about. Like, you had to show up with this kind of gift. And it had to be, like, this much money. And one time I brought them a bottle of wine. And it, like, wasn't as nice as it should have been. And they, like, It was made- two-buck check from Trader Joe's, baby. No, I'm glad it didn't work out because honestly, I do not think I could have survived like in the family. No, it's, it just feels like on so many levels, I couldn't do that. And it just, yeah, I feel like morally, I just, I also think that there is like a values difference. I'm not mm. saying that every rich person doesn't have values, but I like, I think that you and I just have very different values mm-hmm. than a family like that. Yeah. I don't want to spend my days boating either, babe. Like I want to oh, no. boating I want to is... take my book, grab a $3 coffee and go sit at the park. No, boating is god. Boating is bad. What are these golf clubs? You're making me scream because like his favorite thing was golf. Like See, he golfed it. Like it literally okay. like it's a rich people all do the same shit. I don't golf, sweetie pie. If you want to yeah. go golf, do your thing. Go with your friends. If I really love you, I'll put on like a hot little caddy outfit for like a quick minute, but go do you. That's strange. I just, I wouldn't, you and me are just not those people. Yeah, we're not, we wouldn't have fit in in this family Sasha all. tried, God fucking bless, but also what was really disgusting and fucked up and also feels incestuous, she moves in. I had two minds of this and I want your opinion. Mm-hmm. She's forced to move into this limestone, this like four story, but then also it's like, Sasha, shut the fuck up. You're forced to move into a limestone that yeah. you don't have to pay for. Shut totally. the fuck up. It was disgusting and I wouldn't have want to live there. I think it's gross because I think when you start a relationship or you're about to start like a family, like I don't think moving into one person's apartment or the other person's is fair. I think you should start a new place together so you can like decorate it how both of you want, especially like that there was so much garbage and they were like hoarders. That's okay. That was the vibe that I got too. It felt like hoarding. Yeah. And they wouldn't get rid of stuff. And And then they kept the bed. I'm sorry. I don't want to be having sex in the bed that my parents had sex in. That was like, um, it felt like a joke to me. Like that, that was yeah. so disgusting. But then Darlie, the sister, like wanted it. She's like, I want the mahogany. Baby girl, it you don't. So like, how do you like have sex with your partner knowing that your parents slept in that bed and had sex for like, oh. That's foul. And that's then- a and then like the couch that was the governor's that gave her a rash. I'm like, if a couch is giving you a rash, and so she you had to, give it to away. what's the word I'm looking for? She had to settle ultimately. And yeah. Compromise. And that also just felt like a theme with so many of them, mm-hmm. like compromising for what the man wanted. For what the rich white man wanted. Yeah. That I've was never the heard theme. of that before. That was <laughs> what is that? What is that, folks? It's um called life. <laughs> 
Ooh, 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 ooh. So big ick, big ick, big ick. Would you have allowed the furniture to be kept, Erin, if you were in no. that situation? No, no, yeah. no. I would she have gotten rid of all of it. Backwards. I would have gotten rid of all of it. She was too patient. And then she would ask, like, Georgiana to, like, get rid of some of her shit. And Georgiana would throw a fucking fit and be like, don't get rid of my fucking beaver. Spoiled like, bitch, take your beaver home. Literally. Georgiana was such a fucking such a brat. She was the one I I liked the least. Yeah, despised. I would not have been her friend. So okay, Sasha doesn't want to sign the prenup. She ends up doing it anyways. Woof 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 woof. If your partner said to you, I would never choose anyone over my family. Like I am your family now. First of all, I think that was kind of the point. She wasn't let into the family that she she was now a part. She was always an outsider, and it's like if you know that's going to continue to go on, I feel like there's really not much you can. do. I call into question why she wanted this. Same. I don't think she was a gold digger, although they called her that. I don't think she. I think she loved him, and then like was shown all these red flags by his family, and then she was already in too deep and didn't leave, which makes me sad. That's rough. This podcast is made possible by NoCD. NoCD offers effective, affordable, and convenient OCD therapy. NoCD therapists are trained in exposure and response prevention, otherwise known as ERP therapy, which is the gold standard treatment for OCD. With NoCD, you can do virtual, live, face-to-face video sessions with one of their licensed, specialty-trained therapists, and they accept most major insurance plans. To find out more about NoCD, visit NoCD.com to book a free 15-minute call. So Sasha feels like an outsider with the Stockt- Stocktons. Is that how you say their last name? Tip. Oh, it's Chip. Tilda and Chip Stockton. <laughs> but like throughout the book, we see this Mullen character, which is Sasha's ex who abused her. And... Sasha's family takes him in as like one of their own. He's like always hanging around their house. He's always like chilling with her brothers. How do you feel about that? Like wh- it's giving Tristan Thompson oh, and Khloe Kardashian. I didn't even think like, about that. How Chris will literally post so with weird. Tristan, baby, baby. Tristan cheated on your daughter multiple times, had children with other women, lied about it, and you are posting on Instagram. If that's my mom. And she's fucking posting my ex who abused no. me on Instagram and is inviting him over for dinner. Absolutely not. You are on my side. Do they always. have a baby together? Who? Tristan. Uh, Tristan and Chloe have two babies together. I can understand. It's a little bit. It's different a little there. different. It's messed up. But I yeah. think in this book it's even it's worse so because they up. were high school. Well, that- what? And so, no, you're not. And I understand that Mullen didn't have a great family, but you're not a part of our family. Uh-uh. And what felt more fucked up is that he was abusive to her. Yeah. And then this, the family takes her in. And this is also where, sweetie pie, the connection doesn't make sense. Jenny Jackson. So we get to the end of the book and she says, wait, I realize I've been so hypocritical. Yeah. I didn't let Mullen I was going to read that. Our, I'm forty Into our family, but... I'm just doing the same thing as the Stockton family. No. Like, Aaron, what do you think of that? Did that feel like the same thing? I'm going to read it. It's on 240. You literally did a really beautiful job. <laughs> but I'm going to read She said, why was she so mad at Mullen? Why did it make her so angry to see him in her home? Yes, he'd been a horrible boyfriend. But that was ages ago. She was still punishing him. Was she just as bad as the Stocktons? Desperate to keep her family of origin sheltered from outsiders? The irony crashed down on her. She was such a hypocrite. She moved into Pineapple Street and felt furious at Georgiana for the very thing she had been doing to Mullen for the past decade and a half. Fuck. 
No, I don't think that's similar it's at all. It's not. I don't and think... I think the author really tried to find some kind of a connection. She and tried, tried to piece to... it together. It didn't yes, work. Yes, tried to have that full circle moment. And it didn't work because it's not the same. You are an outsider. Yeah. We dated during high school. You're you abusive. abused me. <laughs> you don't get a, a spot at my fucking family dinner table. This is very different and than your like parents the 1%. And your siblings should want to protect you from a person like that. Totally. No, we don't want to let that person in. This is way different than you marrying into yeah. a family. I think that's why I didn't like the book is because it needed a moment that brought something together. And I think that was supposed to be the moment and oh, it didn't work. Sweetie, she she missed the target. It was a big miss. Yeah. She swung and she missed. She swung and she missed hard. It was not the same thing. Oh, Let's move on to Georgiana. Georgiana. How did you say it when you were reading it? I don't know. Georgiana, Georgiana. I don't care. <laughs> We have a spoiled young woman. She's 26 years old with a trust worth 37 million mm. who ends up falling for an older man, Brady, at her place of work. They begin to have relations, as Aaron would say, and fall in love. But, relations. but, 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 this is embarrassing. Georgiana finds out, not for Georgiana, she didn't know, on a work trip that from a coworker that Brady has been married this whole time. And then continues to have sex with a married man. This is so complex and nuanced, right? I feel like we typically go to blaming the woman. Yeah. And I don't think, I, I will say, Georgiana was not at fault whatsoever for having sex with Brady when she didn't know that he was married. This is true. This yeah, is true. This is, like, that was not her fault. And that is 100% on Brady. But then... You find this information out, and she was a victim to that. She was lied to. This is where it's complicated because, yes, you've been sleeping with someone. You are in love with them, apparently. It's hard to stop that. But, like, at that point, I'm sorry, you're sleeping with a married man. Yeah. And to believe that they would... What are the, oh, what are the statistics? So it's like 95 don't actually... 95% don't actually leave their wife. Like, to think you are going to be... Be that, that special one. And not to not. mention, even if he did leave the wife... He's going to cheat gonna on you. He's going to do the same thing. He's going to do the same mm-hmm. thing to you. And I can respect how hard it must be to leave a situation like that. But you don't sleep with a married man. Yeah. I That gives me... I have the biggest ick... Like, to do that to another woman when you know mm-hmm. is just so beyond disrespectful. I would never. And ever. Brady is the pig here. I want to make yeah. that very clear. Brady is disgusting. Yeah. But you knew and then continued to sleep with him. And then he died. And I literally didn't couldn't, care. I couldn't have given a fucking shit less. Didn't care. And uh, and not even because he was gross, but, but also just because, like, we had no information. Even their relationship, it was just written as... We played tennis. We had sex. I know. We played tennis. They we barely had sex. talked about anything. I'm like, are you like, yeah, where was the like emotional growth of this your relationship? All you did was have sex and play tennis. Totally. I'm missing the connection. Like, how do you love him? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't see one moment of like actual connection between them. And that's why I didn't feel for and them either. That and give us something that makes us understand why Brady mm-hmm. was so attracted to you. Yeah, they shared something about their childhoods. They He give us some yeah, piece something. of information that makes this make sense, but as yeah. with much of this book, it didn't make sense. Totally. Yeah, I don't know. I just also I don't want to say karma's a bitch, that's fucked up, but don't sleep with married men, don't sleep with married women, don't sleep with married people, period. Just it's don't just do beyond it. fucked up. Just don't do it. It's it's foul, and I, I, we can do a whole episode about that. Yeah, like, and so then... Is my blood. Georgiana has to hide her grief because oof. nobody knows she was dating him. And did you tell me you felt for her in the moment she had to hide her grief? I felt for her in that she had to hide the grief because grief is a really painful emotional experience, mm-hmm. and 
to not be able to process that with the people that you love must have been mm. difficult. Mm-hmm. However, there was that tinge of like, you're with a married man. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What were your thoughts about that when she obviously fell into despair and depression? Did you feel for her in that moment? I felt for her experience, but I just didn't feel for her as a human. Yeah. So it was hard to connect. But I did, I have felt that way before and felt like you feel very isolated in your grief. You feel like no one gets it. You feel like you're alone on this island of grief. But also, you're sleeping with a married man. Yeah, maybe. And I I have such strong feelings about that for reasons that I'm not going to get into. But Mm. I don't fuck with cheating whatsoever. It also reminds me a little bit, and I would be curious if you have a story about this, where you keep going back to someone that your friends say don't go back to, which she did with Brady. So you kind of lie. You don't really tell your friends how much you've gone back to this person. They fuck you over again, and you feel like you have to hide all of that pain yes. because your friends don't know. They, I mean, it's have you been through that? Yeah, totally. I mean, it hasn't been. It's been a while. I don't actually. You're like, well, with my fiance Keith. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was last. No one week. knows I'm engaged. Well, back to my ex, which sucks. The no, I have a lot of exes. Not a lot, but I have a few exes. So this was the one who wore the um, boat shoes. So he his it was the promise that he was going to move to New York, and he said he was going to moved to New York and backed out about like 15 times and I believed him every single time he's like no but this time I'm moving love here. is blind yeah love is blind the speds what are the shoes called the spots Sperry's spends spangs spuggies chip wore the spots chip chip wore the vest and the spots so you believed him did you have to hide that from your friends yeah I mean eventually by the end of him not coming in our final breakup they didn't care at that point because I had already cried wolf like 15 times you know what I mean it's hard to have empathy for that person have you Oh, yeah. I used to go back to total fucking losers. Like, this is how bad it was. And I have so much compassion for myself, and it's actually kind of iconic. But I knew that I, I didn't want to text this this man in New York. He lived in Hell's Kitchen. So I sent his phone number to my friend Sydney, and I said, please keep it just. Well, that's an alert in, in itself in that he lives in Hell's Kitchen. I'm kidding. Oh, it was. A, I, I don't. I Like, when... When uh, Evelyn wanted to get out of Hell's Kitchen, yeah. I'm like, babe, I will. I like, I have a trauma reaction when I go to Hell's Kitchen. Eesh. I don't ever go there anymore. But I sent his number to my friend and I said, please, no. Wow. Deleted his number from my phone, but wow. was like, in case. And then I ended up Facebook messaging him because I am oh a loony bins. And he was like, why are you messaging me on Facebook? We go out that night. It was absolutely terrible. But yeah, I used to do that shit constantly where my friends would say, like, we've been down this road so many times. Yeah, I, I used to make very poor decisions, and I think I would get upset when my friends would say, like, we've been here, though. Mm. But now I look back at Baby Allegra, and it's like, girly pop. She was young. Uh, Georgiana, you were young. I was young. We have to also right. give ourselves grace because so we were young grace. and we're figuring it out, and we don't know better. And I did relate to Georgiana not having a lot of dating experience. It, it's hard when you don't have dating experience mm. to know, like, what's a red flag and what mm, isn't. Totally. Or if you have red flags from a young age to know, like, Oh, these are red flags? Is this like, actually a red flag or have I just... Yeah, is this what always happens? my whole life, baby? That's literally what I... I mean, my first boyfriend was... We'll get in... God, I don't have enough episodes for my insane I'll episodes. have dates, you'll have boyfriends. That's how, yeah. these, that's how these episodes go. And they're all crazy. Yikes, 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 yikes. Wait, so then Georgiana started mixing her clonopin with alcohol Stop. and blacking out. She blacked out hot, baby. And like starting some drama and be crazy, 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 crazy. I'm... Have you ever had like a wild blackout? Ooh, I haven't had a wild. You're like, never. I'm like, never in my life. Never. I have two and I'm debating which one to tell. Oh, Uh, God. I guess I'll give you my first. I actually don't know if I fully blacked out. I was in college. What is it called? The, you know, when you, I don't even know what this is called. That's how young I was. You have the big glass thing of alcohol that you carry around. 
Like a tumbler? Uh, a handle. Handle. A handle. Okay. I had a handle. I'm pretty sure it was a handle of like disgusting cheap vodka, but then I had whipped cream vodka. It was my shit in college. Wow, ours are similar. Our whipped cream are similar. vodka. I know what you're It was about. the ugliest sweater Christmas party. I went fucking ham because obviously I didn't know how to drink. I'd never drank in my life. Jello shots, whipped cream vodka that if I smelled it to this day, I would be puking all over this floor. Yeah. And I got so drunk that... We ended up going to Manny's. It was the only bar at our little college town in Ohio. Literally Manny's, the only one. Every I time you say Ohio, it like... On the floor in the bathroom. Me. Like, I'm talking I was half out of the stall and half in the stall. And, like, girls were surrounding me. Like, what's going on? Somehow, like, this girl on my soccer team's ex-boyfriend, Josh, is there. Josh saved my life that night. Oh he had God. to, like, carry me out of the bar. He put me in his car. We drive back to the Zippy, like, dorms or whatever, and he opens the door. I fall out. I literally hit my head on the (gasps) pavement. I'm, like, puking everywhere. I'm on the floor of, like, the dorm room stairs. Josh carries me up five flights of stairs. And then apparently my roommate had to stay up with me all night to make sure that I didn't die. And they couldn't take me to the hospital because I was an athlete. Like, I remember, like, <gasps> I don't actually know if I fully blacked out. I think I browned out. But I, like, the conversation was, like, do we take or do we not? Do we take or do we not? And they were, like, no. Like, you can't. Like, the whole team's going to get in trouble for drinking. Jesus. And then the next day, Rachel, who's my teammate, was pissed that I was with her ex-boyfriend. And I'm, like, babe, he saved my life. Yeah, we weren't doing chill anything. for, like, a minute? You're, like, I don't remember any of no. it. We didn't do anything. And I was dead weight. This poor man carried <laughs> dead weight up five flights of stairs. Oh, yeah, that was probably like one of my worst drunk experiences. But I also blacked out on the job once in PR. I I started taking like Zoloft and I went to a charity event that I was working. I blacked out, was crying and don't remember 30 minutes of the event. So it, it got like dark for a minute. Yeah, I blacked out at work. Have you blacked out? Tell me. I've only browned out, as you know, I have a huge phobia of throwing up. Like it's my number one phobia. Like, duh, you're not gonna black out. So. I've only thrown up twice in my whole life and they've both been from drinking. And like the last time I threw up was 13 years ago. Yeah. That's how much I, I hate throwing the last up. Last time I threw up was two weeks ago on a Thursday. I'm, I'm fucking screaming. Oh I'm my God. I'm not saying it was from alcohol, ladies and gentlemen. So don't go jump into some conclusions here. But the last time I threw up was from sweet tea vodka why does that exist why does that exist i was with my best friend from college morgan and we went out in providence what is it? providence rhode island uh, it was, you went out with uh sasha baby. i went out with sasha girl and we were dancing we were being crazy crazy girls and i was throwing up out like hanging out of the car window for the <laughs> hour and a half drive home i literally was just projectile vomiting out of the car window and it was windy so i would throw up and then it would like hit me in the face like it was disgusting I want to see like a biopic of your life, but I want this scene. But now we have to normalize. I mean, not normalize it. We all should normalize blacking out. Hashtag hashtag normalize blacking out. Normalize medication. But we've all been there, especially with meds, right? Like, yeah, I didn't know. You don't know that when I started taking clonopin, it didn't work for me. But I didn't know that like drinking alcohol with it was gonna black me out. Wait, clonopin didn't work for you? No, that's how fucked up my OCD was. I was prescribed <gasps> daily Klonopin and it did not a single thing for me. Oh, God. Nothing. Like, I'm telling you, that's how severe I was. But you don't know that it's going to, like, impact. And then all of a sudden, you're like, blackout Becky. And all your friends are pissed. Can Mine we would do get- it? a side note? So if Klonopin didn't work, what worked for you in that Well, time? so Prozac ended up being the thing okay. that worked. But yeah, literally daily Klonopin. Well, you definitely need both. If you were just on Klonopin. Oh, I was on Zoloft at the 
Oh, so you just needed like a Prozac. Didn't touch. Yeah, like literally I'm talking didn't take me down a notch. That's why we're soulmates because we're both on Prozac. Yeah, Prozac is iconic. Iconic. Would your friends get mad? Because I feel like Georgiana's friends were like, baby, you got to like, would your friends get get mad when you were that drunk? Um... Yeah, but to be honest, I am usually, like, the one that's, like, taking care of people and, like, worried about people. If I didn't have this vomit phobia, I probably wouldn't be like that. But because <laughs> I'm... Be a wild I would be... I would be crazy. Sprinkles would be crazy. But now I have this thing where, like, if I even get past, like, the really buzzed notch, I'll, like, just stop. Because I know. I'm like, there's a chance I could throw up, and I will not... I will not throw up. I hate throwing up. I kind of love it. Oh my god! I don't know no. why. It just feels like a. Purge. You need to go call Melissa Broder. And yeah, talk literally. About it. I'm like, sweetie, your your vomit phobia. I'm a player. Speaking of Melissa Broder, guess what came yesterday? Her book. Her book. I'm gonna freak the fuck out. I can't wait. Death Valley. Death Valley. Yes. Bye bye. I can't wait. Okay, we so we also don't black out often. Let's preface. Actually, yeah, I never. No. I don't. I haven't blacked out in. You said it's been. Oh, it's been so it's long. It's been seven years for me. So yeah. I don't want everyone listening to be no, like, no, oh, no. everyone blacks out every other night, honey. No, but also like. I feel like when you're in your young 20s, it like, happens. That, that happens. You gotta have compassion. You, of course. You you're know? not, like, doing it daily. And again, I'll say this again. This is why parents need to have conversations about mm-hmm. alcohol with their kids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or you don't know that, like, 13 shots of the whipped cream vodka <laughs> is going to black you out. 13 shots or 13 shots of the sweet tea vodka. You don't know that it's going to black you out. SOS. SOS. Please, not projectile vomiting. So Georgiana is, is struggling. Yeah, she's, she's on struggling. pills. She's drinking. She's blacking out. She's yelling at her family at the parties. And you, Oof. you said in our, we have like a cute little outline in a library wrote, Curtis enters the chat mid book. Curtis, maybe. <laughs> Curtis enters the chat mid book. I kind of uh, liked Curtis. I, I liked his Curtis bluntness. He I was liked, the only character that I kind of liked. Yeah, he called her out. And then I love that she like was kind of turned on by that. She's like, oh, he's like kind of ripping me a new one and I like it. Yeah. So Georgiana attends a, I don't even know if I could pronounce this, oligarch chic, oligarch, oligarch chic mm-hmm. party. And mm-hmm. Curtis rips her a new one and says, this is cultural appropriation. Thoughts on that, Erin? I mean, totally. So what, what I dog-eared was that when Georgiana was sharing this story at the table, all the family, oh, <laughs> her no. family was like, yeah, that's cool. And then Malcolm, who is Darlie's husband, was like, actually, that's appropriation. So the one person of color had to be the one person to be like, no, that's appropriation. And all the fucking white people around the table were like, huh? Like, how sick is that? It's so messed up. Their family is so delusional. Yeah. I don't know what, I didn't even know what oligarch was, so I wasn't able to, I couldn't even know if that was appropriation, but it did remind me of like Rachel Kirkconnell on The Bachelor when she went oh my to God. a plantation party and Ducks. the men were wearing Confederate uniforms. Like, how do you not know that's bad? But I also guess when you're 17, perhaps you're just like not thinking about that. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad that we're paying attention to cultural appropriation. It just feels yeah. like even in this book, it wasn't... I don't even think we got the the end of like... We didn't get the result of like, was this actually appropriation? So page 117, Jorah says, but like... Do you think oligarch chic is offensive? And Malcolm says, I think maybe it's like if the party was mobsters and mob wives or something. Like, it's not so much about offending the mafioso or the oligarchs. It's more about perpetuating harmful stereotypes of Italian Americans or Russian Americans. That makes sense, Georgiana agreed, privately mortified that it was the one person of color in their family who had to explain ethnic stereotyping to her. This happens, and nobody around the table bats an eye 
Right, and it should never be on the person of color to do that work. And white people need it. to do the work ourselves. It's not on people of color to like educate about racism and to unpack that for you. White fragility. Right. Yikes. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's not. And Darley, this this also brings us to Darley brings up that she did like a pimps and hoes party in middle school and didn't realize that that was bad and she's mortified now. I do think that we can change and grow. And I think we do things in the past that we are like very regrettable. That was at least one of the themes in this book. So Curtis, again, has entered the chat and he decides to give up his inheritance. So he also comes from a 1% family and he decides to give it up. It gets Georgiana thinking about inherited wealth and all the ways in which she is bad. Mm. And Georgiana decides to give up her inheritance because she's a quote unquote bad person who has done quote unquote <laughs> Bad things. Like, I got this is compulsive and white saviory. What did you think, Erin? I thought it was absolutely compulsive and not done from a genuine place of like wanting to be better, more just done like, I don't want people to call me bad or I don't want to think I'm bad. Like, she she had never thought about this idea until she saw someone else do it and then call her out on it. So it's not genuine. Right. And then it was also what I got, and tell me if you felt this way, is it was, I'm bad. I've made a poor choice. I've slept with a married man. Let mm. me give up my inheritance. How are we getting to there? like cancel it out? Right. Like, <laughs> how are we? How how did we jump from I fucked a married man and therefore I'm a bad person and should distribute my wealth? Like that's also where point A to point B, like we just didn't get there in the book. They Not at connect. all. Not at all. I, I didn't think any of that made sense and I thought it was stupid. It ran it it read us so inauthentic. Like you just don't wanna be bad. This is not and it's, it's like I say to clients, for instance. So let's say that I have a client who compulsively consent seeks during sex. The first time when you ask for your partner's consent, it's because you care about your partner. Mm -hmm. The second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh is not because you're the consent king. It's because you're performing compulsion so that you don't feel bad. That's what Georgiana was doing. 100%. I believe that too. And I feel like she would have kept doing things like this to make her feel better about the one bad thing that she did. Right. And it's just, it was so inauthentic. And I think it was supposed to be like this, wow, we're going to, you know, this generation's going to change the world. Mm -hmm. And it just didn't feel that way to not me. At it all. felt icky. So Curtis on page 225 said, I didn't fully engage with my complicity until college. I think we were sort of raised in a bubble. And I was wondering, because we were raised in different places, in different was there a moment where your bubble burst and you had to start forming your own views or beliefs separate from the way you were raised with your family? Oh gosh, I'm like so embarrassed to talk about this, but yes, I grew up in Orange County. It's literally known as behind the orange curtain. It is so wildly conservative, mm. Republican, racist. There's a lot of wealth there. I mean, during like, like there were Donald Trump like parades in Orange County. So that just gives you the, the kind of gist of it. But I grew up in a family that was ultra conservative, ultra Republican. And maybe you can be, I'm not going to say maybe, I'm sure you can have conservative ideals without being bigoted right but like mm -hmm. I grew up in a very bigoted family okay. and there was stuff said about immigration that I just took in because my parents were saying that to me I think that's the most specific example that I can think of like there was definitely some racism that I am proud of myself even when they were saying this to me growing up like I knew that it was wrong mm -hmm. I always knew that it was wrong some of the immigration stuff I didn't and I left a college and that was like the first time that I was really kind of forced to reckon with, wait, 
do I actually believe these things or is this what was said to me? Mm -hmm. Like I made a comment about immigration when I lived in Los Angeles at age 20 with my friends and one of my friends looked at me and said, I'm sorry, what, Allegra? <laughs> you can't say that, Allegra. No, it was a really horrible <laughs> thing I said. But you didn't know. This was how was you were raised. It was something about, like, they shouldn't be immigrating here and they're, like, taking our jobs. Like, I'm horrified that mm. I said it. But I didn't even know what that meant. Mm-hmm. I was just regurgitating You're what had been said to me. By your caretakers. Right. And I never got the option to be a Republican or a Democrat. Your parents just say, you we're conservative. We're yeah. Republicans. And so I voted for Mitt Romney. I don't have a fucking single clue why I voted for Mitt totally. Romney. I just did it because my parents did. Yeah. But then when I moved to Los Angeles at age 20, I obviously went to therapy and I started realizing like I am so wildly different and the views that I have are so wildly different than that of my family. And I'm proud of myself for doing that work and coming to that place. So much so that that same friend Kaya said to me at one point, I'm more proud of you, Allegra, than I am any of your friends. Because if I had grown up in the conservative household that you had, Mm. I don't think I would have done the work to get to the place that you have today. Like she said, I have so much more respect for you because you came from that. I think that's so amazing and like so much harder to go again go against like your entire family and have a different belief system than your entire family that must be so like alienating to feel like you're the only like the black sheep that is exactly it and it makes you think like how did i come from this but Hmm. it is possible and it's my responsibility like you said i think that was a great point that you said to me earlier it's my responsibility to undo this and how much of who we are and what we know is because we've been told this versus what we actually do. Yeah. And I feel like when you go to therapy and you start doing your own internal work is where you really see, oh, and you start questioning what you've been told your whole life. And like, oh, I don't believe this. What about you? Like, were there instances where you had to separate maybe from like views of your family or you felt like you grew up in a bubble of sorts and you had to recognize, oh, shoot, I actually don't like this, what I've been taught? (sighs) The only thing I can think of is... Not like class-wise or anything because I grew up very middle class. But if my dad would have had his way, I would have been a lot more religious. I would have like continued to be more religious and I would have continued to like take on the obligations of go to synagogue however many times a week. But I found my own journey with religion and how much I feel comfortable going. And yeah, I kind of paved my own way and I didn't start questioning that until I went to college. And I'm like, oh, like... I'm not just going to believe all these things that were like thrusted upon me. I'm going to like do the my own work and like evaluate. That's hard with religion. Yeah. Especially if you grow up in like a very, very like, let's say like Orthodox Jew or like Mormonism. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But if that's what you've been kind of indoctrinated into, but you don't buy into that, it's so hard to separate. Yeah. I would be like guilted for like not observing the holidays like properly or like doing (laughs) No, I'm serious. Like on Passover, I would be like caught eating bread. You're not allowed to eat bread for eight days. And like, I'm Jewish and I'm like so proud of my heritage, but like, I don't observe Passover in the strictest way. And I would be like caught in the kitchen with cookies and would be like ridiculed. (laughs) This was me on Good Friday when my dad was like, don't eat me. And I'm like, (laughs) You have Dick, a steak I'm in like mouth. in the hot dog. Like I'm in the hot dog in like the pantry. I'm like on the floor. Hiding. We would have been friends. We would have been we would have been really good friends. He's like, what the fuck, Allegra? Allegra, if you could pick one character that you related to the most, if you had to, who would it be? A tragic answer of mine. But the thing that I liked and the thing that I related to, it was a very brief thing, but Georgiana's lack of experience dating, but then also there was this passage that I felt like could have been written for me. She finds out in the very beginning of the book that Brady's going to be at this bar. I actually think it was Long Island Bar, by the way. I went there two nights ago she after loves, my... 
soccer game. And then Brady ends up not showing up and she feels like a fucking loser because she's sitting there Mm. and like no one is there. That probably Um, broke my heart. That actually kind of broke my heart too. So she was, you know, embarrassed and I'm going to read this verbatim. She felt lonely and pathetic, but she knew that all across the city, there were girls just like her who'd spent their Saturday nights waiting for something to happen, nursing a drink or reading a paperback at a coffee shop or scrolling endlessly on their iPhones alone and biding their time until their real life would begin. I related to that so much. I do so much by myself. I try so hard to meet people in terms of like dating Mm -hmm. And I do feel like, yeah, like I sit at a coffee shop with my book. I go out for a glass of wine by myself. Not that I'm like waiting for my life to start, but I want There's that hope. That. And like there's always the like being where you are, but glancing up to like see if something's going to come or something's happening. Yeah. I know that feeling. Yeah. I know do that you feeling. do that? I don't anymore, but I used to. You're like, to. I'm a fiance, but I, I, used to, <laughs> I used to be on the train and like literally like I used to just like look up and be like, maybe my husband is on this train. Do you do my that? My husband's every, I, all the time. And I love when other people admit to this, like I'm going to butcher her name, but Elaine Weltroth, she worked at, I think, Teen Vogue, mm. phenomenal book. We should cover it. And she said in her memoir that she used to go around everywhere go is my husband here today where is my husband and i do this when i left you the other night from the diner i was like go find your husband right right like you're like are they here are they and it just it felt so relatable to know that other people experience well i'm glad you found that bright spot in the book the one (laughs) the one the one line i can really see there's goodness everywhere you just have to look for it yeah like this wasn't a total fail of a book it was just like a, a pretty big fail yeah I related to Sasha, you know, the artist thing. I always felt Tell like more. the outsider being an artist, like not having a steady job. Everyone always asking, oh, so what are you working on now? And most of the time it's nothing. I'm auditioning or I just did something, but it was six months ago. And people being, oh, just like the way that they re- they referred to artists in this book. They're like, oh, she's... um." artist yeah and an artist is a job like you work your ass off auditioning that is a job but people don't understand that right no it's true but i felt like sasha totally i was relating to her in every single yeah and you almost married into a a chip and tilda a chip and tilda okay so darlie oh god what a fucking bore i don't even need to cover her yeah i mean she she really bored me what i do want to talk about with her is Malcolm because I loved Malcolm on page 86 Malcolm Malcolm got fired because he quote didn't have a white dad to stick up for him and how did you feel about that like if Malcolm was cord would that have happened would he been fired never would have been fired and what shows us that that is the case is the person that actually fucked up I don't even remember his name and got Mm -hmm. this story leaked was white and got a job immediately and it took Malcolm who I believe was Asian correct Yes. Okay, it took him, like, at least three months to get a job. Yeah. And, yeah, no, he didn't have a white dad to... Daddy. Yeah, to to get him out of that situation. And Darlie did something almost equally hurtful. She didn't tell her family he lost his job for months, and he finally had to be like, Darlie, you not telling your family means you're embarrassed of me. Like, please just tell them. Yeah, it, it basically told him without telling him you are not welcome in this family unless you have money and you're not making money right now and speaking of that can we talk about the sisters calling sasha a gold digger (laughs) are you kidding me it was so bad gd it was so 
bad. It was, and she was so clearly not a gold digger. No, not at she all. She didn't want any of it. And she was so kind, and she did. She gave the dress off her back. See, that also kind of pissed me off. As I was like, this is just too easy. It's yeah. like you're buttering that you're so yeah. kind. Like, yeah. Would you really have been like that? It just felt fake. She just wanted to please them and feel like she belonged. I do know that feeling of doing and like I would kiss that my ex's family's ass just I wanted to do anything to feel like I belong I wonder if it almost becomes like a competition where it's like I'm gonna crack it I feel like it it definitely could be that like truly would you have been able let's say you caught your ex's family calling you a gold digger because you have gotten past it no no and they did it to Sasha like three times yeah after she had already bonded with Darlie and like got lunch and went to the playground that is so trash like she was acting like her friend and saying mean horrible things behind her back and then goes out and buys her this huge bouquet of flowers. Like, none of it made sense. Yeah. It, 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 th- that family just thought they could say whatever they wanted and buy forgiveness from anyone. And then we get to the end where they're basically talking about how hard it is for rich folks because other people want to use rich folks. And some other people might not be able to f- afford the vacations that they want oh, and how hard no, that is. that must be so difficult for you. I'm sitting here like... I get it to an extent if you're a celebrity, right? If you're Justin Bieber or whatever, it might be hard to determine who's friends with me because I'm me, who's friends with me because I'm Justin Bieber. Okay, you have a lot of money. Maybe you don't need to rent out the whole mm-hmm. island on vacation. Maybe you just like go to an Airbnb in North Carolina with your friends. Like, it feels yeah. like a you problem at that point. Totally. And I feel like the problem for me was this book wanted it wanted us to have sympathy for these rich people it did not work for one second i had zero sympathy none none absolutely not yeah so we said this book was supposed to be a social political commentary on the wealth gap and racism do you think it did that just no (laughs) i'm laughing because both of our (laughs) absolutely not well it's gonna be a no for me dog i could say about this but (laughs) no i think first and foremost like I don't know how this author got a job in publishing. So I'm not at all going to say it was nepotism. It was whatever. But it does feel like she got to write this book, especially because she works in publishing. I'm sure that gave her a leg up. Mm -hmm. She had this platform to write a very meaningful book. And now we have another white woman writing a book about rich white people. And I feel that it didn't really do anything justice. Mm-mm. It felt so white savory. Like, and maybe that was the point. Maybe that was the satire. But Georgiana saying, I want to save people in Pakistan. Yeah. And I'm going to give up my money and I'm going to be good. Yeah. It's like, what is this actually doing? Like, we maybe we got to look in at the rich people, but what are you actually doing to evoke some kind of change? There was no change that there happened for none. me. And, and it... It kind of upset me because in the end, I think she wanted to tie it all together and the house lights on fire, but it doesn't get destroyed. Just some of the things like the couch that gave Sasha a rash and then Darlie got to redo it and make it hers. It's like, was this supposed to be tied in a bow? And like, I I, I saw no resolve or no change whatsoever. Okay, so what I want to also talk about is all of the New York references and even some of the passages really felt true about mm-hmm. life in New York. There's one in particular that I want to read. Essentially, Darlie says something like, there are some days in New York where I want anything but this city, where mm-hmm. I want the ocean, where I want <laughs> greenery, where I want the forest. And then there are some days that I'm standing in the park looking at all these buildings and I think to myself, I don't know how I could ever live any other life. It's the love-hate of New York. Do you feel that, Erin? Allegra... I've been here over a decade now. 
New York is the best city in the entire world, and it also makes me want to die. And both of those things exist at the same time. Like in the winter here, when it's sludgy and there is not a leaf in sight and people are running to you on the sidewalk and the wind hurts your face and you're like i'm leaving i'm literally leaving and i'm never coming back and then today when i get into the uber and there's a cherry blossom blooming over my head and there's a nice breeze and there's dogs walking down the street and there's a bird song in the air and then i look up and i see this landscape of beautiful buildings i'm like nothing is better new york city Mm -hmm. is it and then Mm -hmm. we were driving down the west side highway and just the water and the glistening and everyone out on their bikes and the kids like name a better city than new york do you feel that way it's true yeah i was thinking about it and it's it's funny that we read this book this week this is actually the first week that I feel like New York is my home and that I feel so happy that I stayed. Everyone would say to me, like, you've got to give it two years. And to me, I felt like that's fucked up. If after one year, things aren't, you have to give it I almost moved the first year. I almost moved the first year. It is such a hard adjustment from anywhere. I'm so glad you stayed. I almost moved back to LA a year and a half in. I decided not to. And There are some days where everything is fucking hard. I just want to drive a car. I don't want to get on the subway. People are bumping into you. Everything's expensive. Don't even get me started about apartment hunting. Yeah. But then there are other days, like when I played soccer on Wednesday and I was in the goal that was facing the New York City skyline, the sunset was pink and orange and I was like, pinch me. Yeah. How am I so lucky to live Uh in this city? It's the greatest city in the world. It's so fucking fantastic. And when you finally have your friend group, which I feel like I do now, and like we have these awesome jobs that we're doing, it Mm -hmm. feels like everything has clicked. And I fucking love my Brooklyn Heights neighborhood. It's so beautiful. It's stunning. stunning. And Jenny Jackson, you didn't do it justice. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, I mean, I just have been here for like five minutes, and I don't think you did it. Well, here's the thing. Like, I understand. Don't get me wrong. I'm not denying the wealth in this area. The brownstones are fucking insane. I could... I don't know that I could ever afford one in my life. It's not as snooty as she makes it sound. It's not as snooty. And also, by the way, like, I rent. Like, I don't want y'all to think that I, like, have purchased a brownstone. I rent, and my rent is about the same that it was in the East fucking Village. Yeah, so, and I have, yes, I have amenities, and I love my building, but... In the East Village, I was paying for location. But you also work your ass off. I do work my ass off, yes. And, but there are a lot of families that rent in this building. So I also think not everyone that lives in Brooklyn Heights is this like 1% yeah. snooty. Yeah, whose mommy bought it for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's yeah. a lot of that. Don't get me wrong. Okay. But yeah, I don't know. Like, I just think Brooklyn Heights is so picture perfect. There's a lot of apartments in this area. I don't think everyone is like a one percenter living off of mommy and daddy's money. Like, mm. I don't live off of a dime of my parents. Snaps, snaps. But like you said about New York and the love hate, I think New York being so miserable sometimes make the highs yes. that much better. You it know what does. I'm saying? Like, the sun is shining, and I'm like, wait, I can tan on my rooftop. And, and oh I can my get god, an I forgot coffee. about that. Yeah. <gasps> Next time, can I tan on a the roof A thousand percent. Like, we can tan on the roof. I can grab a nice coffee, oh. and I can see all the flowers blooming. And oh. the shit makes this a million times better. Allegra, New York, in the spring, summer can get a little hot. But Summer's the spring and the fall are just... They are Insane. so incredibly, it's euphoric how gorgeous everything is. And I keep saying, like, this is my last year in New York. I don't think it is. And I actually don't want to admit that because it's so fucking mm. expensive. LA but is expensive? LA is not as expensive as New York. I know it's wild, but trust me, for what I'm paying in this building, mm. I could get quite a bit in LA. But 
but not New I've got to remember this because I don't think I want to raise a family here, but will I be here into my 30s? Like, probably. And I don't Do want to it. admit it. I best. don't want to admit it, but probably. And there's the rest of my life to get to LA. Like, I'm yeah. so fucking proud and of this us is the for time living to in change. New York City. Yeah, this is the time to like be other places and yes. just think about what you want. Right. I'll probably end up in LA or another city when I have a home, but like it doesn't need to be now at 28. And I've, it doesn't even need to be at 29 or 30. I've had a lot of friends move to LA from New York and then move back because they say how if you feel isolated here, it's times a billion LA is in LA. Isolating. Like so it's very lonely. And yeah. if you feel lonely here, you can walk outside. And at least you can be around people. Right. Like at any hour. Yeah. Like five AM I could be like outside drunk, crying, Talk whatever. To I don't yeah. do that anymore. But like and and there's someone literally next to yeah. you. I've talked to so many people on the train at five AM sad. And I have to bring up the story. People are nice. I don't care what people say about New Yorkers. They're my honest. My shoe is constantly fucking untied. My Nikes never tie. You don't want to slip. And every time my shoe is untied, I've had three separate people in the last couple of weeks. One of them yesterday, this like older woman, tapped me and Aww. then like waited for me to tie it and was like, like, they're so fucking nice. I would never, I'm sorry, no. but I would never tell someone their shoe's untied. I, Baby girl, figure it out yourself. I heard that quote. It's like, New Yorkers are mean to your face but nice behind your back or something in LA people are nice to your yes, face and mean yes, behind your back yes. I'd rather someone just tell me how it is if you got something to say fuck just say right. it like how are you so nice that you're telling me my shoes yeah. untied? like I don't even pay attention to other people enough to know but New York makes me want to pay attention to other people oh that's yeah. so sweet She's whole New York in your 20s I'm like Ugh. mommy mommy <laughs> there's nothing like New York in your 20s don't leave okay so we've we've talked we've talked, we've talked a talked. lot about chip and tail Fuck Mary Kill. F- oh God, I'm I know. Gonna I'm gonna fuck Tilda. <laughs> God. Wait, no. Go. Actually, you know how we should do this version? We should each give each other three because it makes it harder when it's not your whole pick. Okay. I'm gonna give you Chip, Tilda, and Cord. God, Allegra, Mary Cord have relations with Chip and kill <laughs> Tilda. I'm screaming. Okay, I'm giving you. Th- okay. Georgiana, Tilda. And chip. I'm gonna literally fucking kill myself. Um, I'm gonna kill Tilda. Tilda's gotta go. I'm gonna marry Chip, and I'm gonna inherit as well. Amazing, sugar baby, I am. Okay. And I'm gonna fuck Georgiana. Georgiana. Yeah, she'd be hot, but she's an awful person. Okay, so I cast cast this. this book for us, baby. Okay, so Darley is giving Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. Oh my god, she'd be perfect. Georgiana is Brooklyn Decker. Do you know who that is? From Grace and Frankie, the daughter. No. Oh my god, she's perfect. Like she's she's snooty, but also like a little bit like endearing, but like she just looks rich. You know those people that just like give wealth? That's yes. her. Tilda is Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda no! could kill it. Jane Fonda would kill Tilda. Even though she's the opposite of Tilda in real life. Cord is Evan Peters. Brady is Miles Teller. Oh my God, Brady. That would be so good. He would be so perfect. He's like a little crunchy, but like a little bad boy. And then Sasha would be me. <laughs> oh my God, I love that you cast I'm, yourself again. I'm literally Someone's the lead in every book. at this point. Someone's Someone, pick you up. if you're listening, I'm going to be the lead in all these in books. In everything. So just cast her in something. Just do it, okay? Allegra, therapize, please. Just um, a little bit. Where do I, I just feel like, where do I even begin with this? Oh man. Um, 
God. Here's my thing with this, and maybe this goes with the book. It's hard to therapize these characters because I feel like there wasn't even enough for me to therapize. There wasn't even enough info about these characters. And she did say something like, oh, millennials blame their parents for everything, but like my parents aren't the reason that I date in this way. I just was a bad dater. But... I like I don't even feel like we had enough background about the characters. Yeah, that's it was fair. mostly like looking into the window of like wealthy people and I I, I don't even I, I genuinely don't know that I have enough info to you therapize can't, her. You can't give therapy to someone if they won't open up. No. I can say that she was grieving the loss of Brady. I don't know if her self-esteem was low and that's why she continued to stay with Brady despite mm. him being married. Like, I genuinely don't have enough to do this. Ooh, this is the first time she said I've that. I've never so that said that. Says a There's lot about usually the way, yeah. rich therapization. This, this is the way the book I don't written. have enough about any of the fucking characters. Well, she said it. Okay, Allegra, rate it five out of five stars. This is, like, very unfortunate, but I'm probably going to go, like, a 1.8 to 2. It was... I was fighting my way to the finish line. Fighting. Same, I was same. crawling. I was, like, same. ripping my fucking hair out to finish this book. And I just... Who on earth picked this for Good Morning America Book Club? I thought you were going to say, who picked this for us? Oh, I did. Unfortunate. <laughs> I... I the but cover it had a cute me. cover, and it and it was on every it was on that so is, many yeah. major book lists. How I do you think someone, it made it to all those book lists? She had to have known someone. Mm. She works at a publishing firm. I'm sorry, but there are so many other stories dying to be told, especially by like let's say people of color and 100%. other let's say marginalized communities. And this is the book that gets to be written. Like what a fucking yeah. bore. On what the a front, waste of fucking pages. On the front desk at Barnes and Noble, like a Good Morning America pick. It's like, so embarrassing. It's not good, guys. It is well, not okay. Good. What would you rate it? I, I, I've never done this. Like, I'm gonna say two. Yeah. Like, I really just, I took nothing from it. I learned nothing about anything. I didn't grow as a person reading this. I will forget about this book. It fried my brain. Yeah. I, I need, I, I really need another, a good book next because this just destroyed me. We are doing a good book next. Sad girls, we're doing a, a little, little life, life next. A little life. And y'all, if you hear this episode, start reading. We're going to post about this it's 800 because pages. it's 800 pages. But I have heard the best things about I'm it. I'm stoked. Oh my God, I'm so After excited. this, it's going to be night and day. Yeah. Bad books happen and we want to be honest with you, Sad Yeah, girls. not every book is going to be great. Yeah, we still love talking to you but and talking about... we're still iconic. Yeah, we're iconic. We love you, Sad Girls. We love you. And... See you in a week, ladies. Yeah, see you later. Wankers. Bye, Sad Girls. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and subscribe and follow our show. It's the way that we can get the word out about our Sad Girl podcast and more Sad Girls can find their community. And if you'd like to follow us on other platforms, we're on Instagram at Sad Girls Who Read and TikTok at Sad Girls Good Books. We love you, Sad Girls.